if a small church or a big church doesn't do digital, I, I don't think it's going to die tomorrow. But I think it's going to lose effectiveness quickly. And, and I think that the pendulum towards embracing more of a digital discipleship strategy, recognizing digital as a mission field, it's moving much more into that space. Uh, and it's only going to continue to. Will, will there be a time where it pivots back towards you know, more of a or organic uh, or more of a physical approach away from it? Maybe. I, but I, I don't think that's in the next decades. You're going to see much more meta, um, much more metaverse, augmented reality, virtual reality. The pendulum is swinging there, and organizations, corporations are spending big bucks to make sure that those areas become community. You're listening to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast with Sarah Kinzer and Hector Martinez, part of the TCD Podcast Network. Welcome to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. My name is Hector, and I'm here with my co-host, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Hector. Hey, and today we've got our, our new friend here, Jeff Reed, who, if you are paying attention into the digital space, digital church, you may have heard his name, but Jeff, go ahead and say hello. Hey, how y'all doing? Listen, I am so glad to be here on, on this podcast. I've just caught wind of you guys over maybe over the past two or three months, and I've loved watching what you guys are doing from afar. So thanks for, thanks for having me on. That's awesome. We're glad to have you. Um, Jeff, will you tell us first, who are you? Just like, <laughs> That's who awesome. is I'm Jeff? Some, I'm some guy named Jeff who's sitting in his guest bedroom talking into a microphone and a camera. And that, that's, that's pretty much <laughs> No, I, um, so 20 years ago, I started uh, an, uh, a company called ebeliever.com. Uh, I led my first online Bible study in the year 2000. Uh, and, and so I have always been a guy who's excited about digital uh, about the idea of doing uh, church in technological spaces. I mean, to 2000, that's before Facebook. Honestly, that was before MySpace. That's really like in, in the era of Napster, AOL, and um, ICQ. Uh, Nets, Netscape. ICQ. Whoa, there's a throwback. ICQ. I hadn't, hadn't, hadn't used that phrase in a long time. Very I good. I know. I'm probably yeah. closer to your age than I am to Hector's. Yeah, I was about to say, you may have just dated yourself. I'm okay being that old, but you got to like, <laughs> cling to the youth as long as you can. No way. Um, and so, listen, I've just been really passionate uh, about digital technology literally for 20 years. I've got a 15-year church staffing career in, in a mega church, giga church, multi-site churches, uh, creative director, communications director, weekend experience director, production director, all, you know, all that, damn it, digital pastor. Um, and, and really just the, the passion came, uh, in 2018, I kind of got to this critical mass and it was like, God, I don't think God's help telling me to work at a single church anymore. He's God's telling me to try to help the big C church, try to understand how to do digital better, like how to utilize digital to create disciples and how to get back to a disciple maker mentality. The church, we've got two problems. We get to it later. It's a, We've got a technological problem, and, and we really have a disciple-making problem. And the two, uh, honestly, can be solved working hand-in-hand hand with just a different mindset. And so started the church digital in 2018. That's thechurch.digital. Nobody cared about that in 2018. Uh, nobody cared about it in 2019. Uh, 2020, this thing called COVID happened, and all of a sudden, traffic on my website blew up 1,000%. Uh, podcast subscribers to the church digital podcast grew up 500%, and I became very popular overnight. Uh, a couple months before COVID hit, honestly, I'd taken a job uh, with an organization called Stadia Church Planting, uh, who was very forward-thinking as an organization and said, hey, Jeff, we're really interested in planting churches. 
in digital and in meta spaces, talking about like Facebook groups and virtual reality. And, and, and this is going back to like late 2019, pre-COVID 2020, they had this, this vision. And, and so they actually hired me to be their director of digital church planting. Uh, and so I ran the church digital and, and helped their network during COVID and utilized really some of that platform to connect with thousands of churches, uh, if not tens of thousands of churches through uh, Stadia, through Exponential, and through a number of, of other organizations that were really just trying to platform as much help as possible. I feel like I'm talking a lot, but it's just it's a crazy story. Um, and and at, at the end of this, I, I just resigned from Stadia a couple months ago. I still work with them and, and help them with their digital church planting. But really, just some interesting trends came out during my time with Stadia as I started talking with hundreds, literally hundreds of church planters and discovering that there are potential planters in digital spaces and discovering that there's a new model. There's a new breed coming out where it's not the typical church and it's not the typical church planter that's really wanting to do something digital. And so actually, I, I, did, I did, my wife says, you're crazy, but we'll do it. I quit my job in the middle of COVID uh, and to, to start a digital church network that's essentially em empowering organic movements, uh, organic movements of people planting and discipling digital churches. And so we can get, there's so much in there I would love to unpack, but uh, at the heart of this, I'm all about, I mean, the organic, the established church understanding how to do online small groups better, how to move away from just being a broadcast. Like that is a fun conversation and I can connect you with so many people that want to help you with that. And the church digital, we're actually ramping up to really support churches that are interested in that. But the idea of taking somebody who's maybe been disenfranchised by the church or maybe has been told by a, a leader, hey, yeah, um, the Holy Spirit doesn't move in digital spaces or the idea of the metaverse is, is crazy. Church doesn't operate that way. Um, yeah, I want to help those people. I, I want to have those conversations. I, I want to empower them to do the to reach into the digital and the meta mission fields, to be the digital and the meta churches that God's called them to be. Uh, and to see an incredible movement of God happen, not only in physical space, uh, but in digital and meta as well. So, um, we, we are going to unpack that. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. <laughs> um, and the, the, I also wanted, we also want to know what platforms are you on and what's your preferred platform? Oh yeah. Uh, listen, I, I have, if there's an opportunity to have an inbox on it, I check it regularly. Um, I am, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Dear Fedge, uh, Jeff Reed backwards, D-E-E-R-F-F-E-J. That's me. There's a couple Jeff Reeds. If you Google me, uh, you know, I, I won a World Series for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I, I actually literally kicked the game-winning field goal for the, uh, for the Steelers. That's awesome. It was a great time in my career. Uh, I've also, you know, not me, but if there's a couple, you know, Jeff Reeds that probably you don't really want to dig into. They did some things with the kids that you're not supposed to. And, and that's not mm -hmm. me. That don't not Google me. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Fedge is, is who I am. Or you can check out the church digital, uh, the church.digital for all of that information. What is, I'm sorry. Dear. Yeah. Fed? It's Jeff. It's literally, it's Jeff Reed backwards. D E E R F F E J. I have to explain it to people. I do. <laughs> I was um, like, is that a hunting thing? I don't know. No, it's not. Uh, and, and the funny thing was, I thought, you know, I got to come up with a name that's not Jeff Reed because, you know, all these other Jeff Reed's famous have them. And so yeah. 
it was like, well, do I want to be the Jeff Reed? That's kind of egotistical. Do I want to be a like Jeff Reed. the real Jeff Reed? You know, I'm like, that's, you know, and just, it's like, okay, let's just be my name backwards. Like, cause I, I see the world backwards. And yeah. most, <laughs> most people like subscribe to me and follow me. And they're like, and then up like six months or a year later, they're like, oh, it's your name backwards. This makes sense now. We just thought it was like random letters. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, for Pete's sakes. Well, I'm in the country. And so I immediately was like, that's got to be a hunting thing. So, but nope. I'm in Miami, Florida. The one thing I do not do is hunting. No. So I, I can't relate to you there. Well, Jeff, kind of the first place that I was introduced to you was actually the church digital. Um, because I was one of the, one of the people that was looking and trying to figure out, well, how do you do this church digital thing? We love the podcast. I mean, I don't think there has been a week, uh, the last couple of months that has gone by where we have not sent each other an episode and said, Hey, listen to this point that was made. This is something we, we were sort of thinking about, or this is something that we haven't thought about. This is something that we need to, you know, explore, um, as part of our, our podcast and just even just in our own personal ministries. Um, so. You have two, over 200 episodes now. So as you, you said, this thing has just gone on. And there's a wealth of knowledge that's there. Um, but first, can you tell us, uh, you started a little bit about like what, that you had the podcast and you had this idea about four, four or five years ago now. But what, what was kind of the, the thing that ignited that passion? Uh, yeah, sure. I was in a church staff experience where I was, um, at a, a high level leader. I had 30 some employees over me. Um, I, or excuse me, under me, I, I was uh, overseeing a weekend experience in digital strategy for a church. Um, and, and honestly, I was producing a worship service. It was a multi-site church and we were producing a worship service for 10,000 people. We literally rented out a uh, basketball arena at the University of Miami for all the campuses to come together. It's the one time in the history of the church everybody comes together. I should be really excited about this, right? Like, this is not something that happens on, on a regular basis. Honestly, I was more excited about a micro church that we were starting up Key West, three hours south of us, uh, for the first time through the online campus. And, and for me, that was just one of several eye-opening moments that my view of church, my view of, of what the church can be, was really starting to misalign with what my leadership was was seeing, and so, as as and honestly, that was a that was a painful, drawn out conclusion. Like there there are ways to do it healthy. I honestly I didn't do it healthy, and, and the church that I'm speaking with, like we have buried the hatchet. We figured things out, but it was it was ugly for us. So I would tell you, don't do it my way. Have the conversations. Trust your church and work through it. But. Uh, at the heart of it, it really came down to this place of God was calling me to do something different, and and I had to stand up, honestly, stand up in front of the front of this the the church staff, and, and say God has called me to do something different. Today I have no clarity on what it is, but I know it's not here, and, and so I I stepped out on on faith. I, I had had four job offers within a week to do the exact same job that I was doing with the church before for the exact similar types of churches, mega gigamultis. Um, I, I literally had a church in, in another state offer to double my salary if I would come to this church and, and, and to do this. But my heart had already moved on to doing something different. And, and it was centered initially around this idea of church online. But the more that I delved into helping churches understand the church online and, and really the, the weaknesses in the broadcasting of the church services, getting them to the small groups. It's, it's the hardest thing that we do, arguably, in the church is discovering who these people are that are watching our broadcasts and moving them 
into a, a small group environment. And, and I got to this place where I was having a conversation actually with, with my, one of my boss at Stadia. And, and I was just really venting on the, how difficult that process is. And he's like, well, Jeff, you're doing it backwards. You're not supposed to drive people to a, to a large gathering and then get them to a small group. If you want to start a movement, you start with the individuals, build relationships, and then push them into groups as critical mass, and then push them into a large gathering as critical mass. He says, the problem with the church is you're doing it backwards. And, and at that, I mean, literally, if like fireworks could go off above my head, you would have seen it happen in real time. It was crazy. The pieces that started to come together and some of the influences in my life with, with, with um, uh, micro church movements, working with guys like Rob Wagner, Casey Underground, really looking up to him. He's been on the show a lot and some others. Jason Shepard as well has been very influential with some of the things he's doing out of Texas. And, and all of a sudden, I'm realizing that there is a different model of church. And, and it doesn't, and here in the U.S., we, we, don't, we don't understand this because there's really one operating model. Now, let's talk globally. And I'm, forgive me, I'm just going to like rant here for a second. Like, look at Korea. Some of the biggest churches, some of the largest giga churches in, are in Korea. Literally tens of thousands, borderline hundreds of thousands of people are engaged regularly in churches in Korea. Some of the smallest churches are, are in India. We're talking three, four people under a palm tree or a mud hut. Now, to say that a, a Korean 100,000 church or a, a mud hut church in India is, is one is more spiritual than the other, one works and one doesn't, you can't. It's not our place to judge. So it's not our place to say this model works better than this or this. It's actually our place to embrace multiple models. And in my heart, really, as I've evolved through this process and having hundreds of conversations through the Church Digital podcast, has really been just this learning opportunity to discover what God is already doing and what God wants to do, but it's different than what we are doing. And this is not me criticizing the Mega Giga Multis as much as in saying there's different types of people that will be reached through different models of church and different models of discipleship. It's not my job to stop the Mega Giga Multi. It's my job to empower other models that can work alongside the Mega Giga Multi and try to be more effective in reaching a different type of person than what our buildings are currently reaching. I go back and forth on this. I think through this, people will say, um, I'll see people tweet or whatever about how, like, if a church isn't doing online church, they are not, like, they're going to be left behind and that's going to be it for them. But do you think that every church should be doing online church? Or do you think that there are places where their context, it just doesn't, it's not there? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, I, don't, I do not think that every church should be broadcasting a church service online. And, and that may be controversial into itself. Um, 80% of Barna, uh, December 2020, uh, Digital Evangelism Report, 80% of people cold to Christ, um, they, they don't care about your church service. If they have spiritual questions, they're not going to your physical building, and they're not watching your church online service. If people have spiritual questions they want answered, they're going to go to two different places. They're going to go to their friends who they believe will have these spiritual answers to their spiritual questions, or they're going to go to Google, and they're going to go to YouTube. And the new uh, evangelism pastor for your church is now Google. Enjoy that. Sleep well with that. How are you showing up in Google, by the way? Maybe you should dig into that. 
because the heart of this is is that if people are looking for answers, the the seventy minute church service, the forty five minute sermon, that's not playing well in those spaces. Right. And so to say that every church, honestly, every church needs to broadcast their church services online. I've I've said that publicly. Don't um, value what you're doing. In I've heard Irwin McManus say this, and I'm a fan of it. If you respect what's happening in your physical building, in your live environment so much, don't cheapen it by putting it online. Do something different online that's more effective for online. Do a five-minute um, uh, reach out, a shareable video content that you want the people in your church to share with people either direct via text or to put on social media. Like there's more than one way to do church digitally. And this idea of what we're doing physically has to be what we're doing digitally. Newsflash, it doesn't work. I had a church uh, March, what was it? It was Easter 2020, March, April, whenever that, I think it was April, right? Uh, a church reached out to me, a friend down here in South Florida, uh, Giga Church. Jeff, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this, Jeff. We had half a million viewers. We had 500,000 people watch our online services Easter 2020 during the pandemic. Hey, man, that's awesome. I'm super excited for you. That's great. How many connection cards did you get? How many people did you meet in chat that you can actually have an ongoing relationship with? His answer was 11. 500,000 views. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's a dot with a bunch of zeros before there's another number. And so it's this model does not work. And, and rather than saying that it works and keep, you know, banging the drum, make it. No, there needs to be other models in other ways. And the idea of doing a disciple making movement that's much more organic, that's much more relational, actually plays to the strengths of digital. Trying to reach a billion people, it doesn't work that way in 22. You know, maybe in, you know, Billy Graham, 1995, preached one sermon. It was literally bounced around the world off a bunch of satellites translated in real time. Billy Graham, 1995, preached to one billion people. The message actually was on uh, the mission field, being on mission. You could do that in 1995. 2022, Seth Godin will tell you. Actually, it was 2020. Seth Godin will tell you, nobody cares. You'll never get a billion people to agree on anything. you got to have a much smaller conversation. You want to tell the smallest amount of people possible an idea. Get them to own it and get them to tell someone else. Seth Godin, Jewish, by the way, not Christian, basically eloquently describes how Jesus built his church 2,000 years ago and says that that's the most effective way for us to do marketing in today's culture. And yet we're still trying to broadcast a sermon out to hundreds of thousands, hoping that we can be all to everyone so that some may know. Listen, Jesus did, call, Paul called us to do that, I believe. And there is truth in being everything to everyone. But if we want to effectively reach people, it's not with a megaphone. Uh, it's with a micro conversation. It's sitting down and dialoguing and relationally connecting with people. And, and this is the thing that a lot of our big churches miss. Now, if we really focus to answer your question, if we really focused on discipling people, on building those relationships, small church, I'm actually more excited about you than I am the mega giga. Stop broadcasting your services. Don't put the eggs in that basket. Take that relational energy that's in your DNA where you got to love everybody, you got to hug everybody, you got to talk to everybody on Sunday morning. Figure out how to do that digitally with people. Not in a Sunday morning environment, but within people's circle of influence, within their physical and digital reach. Take that relational energy that small churches are so good at and do that digitally. And you will see a payout by dividends. I can tell you it's church plants that are being hugely successful digitally, and it has nothing to do with broadcasting their services online. 
I think churches need to evaluate what they're calling their online ministries. If you were to say we have we feed the poor, and then you were to go to where the poor are and they are hungry and they have empty plates, and you were to stand in front of them and preach a sermon and never make them a meal, well, you haven't done what your ministry is set to do. And so you need to evaluate like what are the actual needs? What are people coming to the internet for? What are they already there for? Generally, they're there for answers to their questions or for community. I, I mean, they're probably going more to Netflix or YouTube for, for longer things, less YouTube for longer things. But if they wanted to watch a show, they'd go to Netflix. And so maybe just saying, what are we calling online ministry? What is our online pastor's actual job? And um, defining it as what is, what is putting the food on the plate? You know, what is yeah. the actual work of our ministry? Well, it's it's interesting that the average church would probably say that the 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 brunt, the majority of the effort of a church goes into that Sunday morning service. I actually worked with a church for a while where I mean, this is a this is a, a giga church, ten ten thousand um, attending regularly, and it was interesting. Literally within their staff, everyone that was hired had some role on the weekend, except for one lady, and that one lady's job was was small groups, was baptism, was missions, was prayer was literally they dumped all the responsibilities on one other lady and i think she was three-quarter time i don't even think she was full-time uh, at least when i was when i was helping that church and, and so like church we're more than just sunday yes. and oh well you know what no it's working the, the sunday services it's working we just we need to get people butt, butts back in seats look i i can tell you there's a 25 year decline of church involvement over the past 25 years covid COVID wasn't the spark that made people leave the church. We were already failing. The accelerant of COVID actually just made it more obvious and is forcing us into a position where we have to analyze that there's something different. Now, some churches will always succeed. Like, you know, I mean, Life Church, let's be honest, it's not going anywhere. Like, that model will succeed. Uh, other of broadcasting services in that because they're, they're good at that. And to your point, well, if a small church or a big church doesn't do digital, I don't think it's going to die tomorrow, but I think it's going to lose effectiveness quickly. And, and I think that the pendulum towards embracing more of a digital discipleship strategy, recognizing digital as a mission field, it's moving much more into that space. Uh, and it's only going to continue to. Will, will there be a time where it pivots back towards, you know, more of a or organic uh, or more of a physical approach away from it? Maybe. I, but I, I don't think that's in the next decades. Uh, you're going to see much more meta, um, much more metaverse, augmented re reality, virtual reality. The pendulum is swinging there, and organizations, corporations are spending big bucks to make sure that those areas become community. Really, it's up to us, the church, to figure out, not if those are community, but if we are going to be the church in that community. Do we see that as an opportunity for us to engage in a meta mission field? Or are we going to hold on to ecclesiology that was never defined by that space and say, no, uh, we, don't, we don't see any purpose in, in the mission field, in, in the metaverse. Uh, it's people being lazy, and they need to come to the physical building to meet Jesus. I, 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 don't, I don't know that I see that in, in the Bible. And, and so for me, that's, that's really the conversation, is trying to get churches and, and corporations even to help create tools for churches to move towards different mindset when looking at digital and meta space. Yeah. So Jeff, uh, I'm actually in the process of, of trying to help define 
digital discipleship for my church context. Um, you, you've had hundreds, if not thousands, of conversations around this topic. Um, maybe, maybe not in detail, because I'm sure you could speak for, for hours on this, but what are some just key things that you see the difference of digital discipleship and the in-person? Like, what are some things that, that you would just, from the gate, encourage pastors or, or lay uh, people to, to keep at the, the front of their minds as they enter yeah. into this world? I think if you ask 10 pastors, well, this would be an interesting experiment, Hector, for your church. Uh, ask, ask the pastors, maybe you've done this, what does discipleship mean in our physical space? Uh, it's funny, like I've done that for churches uh, and, and senior leaderships, and it's like, I'll line up 10 pastors, I'll get 12 different responses. Like, because there's not clarity behind that. So even, I, I don't even know how to create a digital strategy because we don't have clarity on, on the physical. And, and so what I would say is, I, I think that it's important to get the physical strategy or at least the definition of what the goal is uh, now realize that in digital and physical things are different uh an assimilation process may work better in physical space um i'm not, and that's even questionable of, of how the assimilations you know the rick warren baseball diamond how effective that is uh it's interesting just the other day i had a, a church tell me it's like yeah we had somebody where we they had checked off all of those bases and we considered them like an active disciple in our church. And then we found out that the guy didn't believe in Jesus and he was actually an atheist. He just was active in those events and they were assuming that the events actually defined it. And so whether, I, but what I think is important is to realize that in digital, often things are backwards or they're different than physical. Like the recognition of, okay, in physical, we're going to use the large gathering as a gathering point, and then get them connected into something. That is the process in physical space. In digital space, to be honest, the best asset we as churches have are the thousands of people that sit in our pews bored. Hey, pastor, don't be upset that people are not in your building. Be upset that people have no spiritual purpose when they're not in your building. Like, let's get them triggered on that. So the process may look different, physical and digital. This is why it's important to have the right finish line in place where I can say, hey, we can take different journeys physically and digitally, but in the end, we're going to land at the same destination. Or even someone may interweave be between a physical and a digital discipleship process, but they're going to land at the same definition. Now, there's opportunities to explore. What does discipleship even mean? Like you're going to see nuances in that. And so it needs to be tailored by the church. But we, and I've made this mistake in my life. The answer is not, let's create one process that works for physical and digital. Unless you're really wanting to limit digital by limiting it to what, how a physical church operates, or you're really wanting to shake up what a physical church does by making it more malleable towards a digital process. That's good. Yeah. Um, so you're, um, you were launching or have launched. Digital Church Network, yeah? Uh, we're in the midst of it. That, that's interesting. We're, um, go ahead. I just wanted you to give me the, the elevator pitch for it. Yeah, so what we're, we're doing, we're, we're currently interviewing some different partners that we're looking to work with. And um, I'll, I'll tell you, at least we're sitting in this recording where I think we're going to land. Okay. Um, we spent some time, I mentioned Rob Wagner, Kansas City Underground. He's one of the leaders right now in the, um, in the microchurch movement here in the U.S. Uh, and so we 
took took some people together and went and spent some time out in Kansas City, kind of learning how their discipleship, how they empower people as as missionaries within their physical community, and, and like what the physical discipleship process is. Now, like I said, Rob's physical process is nothing like the church's physical process. He's already broken it up, and, and like for for Rob, when he looks at a, at a missionary, this is a this is a volunteer leader uh, who's leading a, a gospel community within a physical space or within a, you know, a, a community uh, uh, in Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City, Kansas. I think he actually is in both. And so for me, I, I look at the metaverse. I look at digital in, in many of the same ways that Rob looks at Kansas City. How can we empower people to be on mission within their space. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking about creating a, a worship service with a, with a music and a 40-minute sermon. Uh, I, you know, if, if you're, if you're going to spend 20 hours a week prepping a sermon or even five hours a week prepping a sermon, man, you're much better off spending five hours a week engaging and building relationships with people and, and doing a more authentic approach, at least here in 22. And, and so that's this model of how can we create a microchurch movement that operates in digital and meta spaces. Uh, and so we're working with Casey Underground, Rob Wagner and that, looking uh, to work with New Thing Network, which is Dave Ferguson's uh, church planning network that operates out of Community Christian and kind of uh, going through some conversations there. Uh, but our goal, and, and even, listen, I've, I've had conversations with organizations like Finishing the Task. This is what Rick Warren resigned Saddleback to go do, uh, and finishing the task is a global organization. He, they said to me, they said, Jeff, how do we get one church for every thousand people on the planet globally utilizing digital? And I'm like, oh, that's a great question. Yeah, we're not going to be able to do that with a bunch of mega giga multis. Just the cost of that is, is and, and we're not even seeing that really grow and scale. And the multiplication level, you're never going to get that level of exposure. That You got you to do organic. You can't control. You've got to release. Uh, you want to kill a movement, try to control it. You want to see a movement explode, release it uh, and and see what God does with it. And, and so it's with a lot of these different approaches that we're, we're launching out of Digital Church Network, where our hope is to empower um, bivocational, co-vocational people, former pastors who are no longer working at a church, lay people that have a passion to do something other than to serve coffee at their church on Sunday morning. And to really do something for God within their physical, digital, or meta spaces. The, the, for us, we're targeting four different areas. We're, we're targeting um, digital community, Facebook groups, app-based things, email. I mean, just your, your basic kind of digital spaces that you're living in now, most likely. Second area we're focusing on is the metaverse. There's a huge movement of, of churches, that, that at least of individuals that are moving in the metaverse. And there's not a lot of organization and clarity and resourcing for them even at this point. So how can we help them and empower them and multiply them so the next wave coming through can, can have some of their insight? Thirdly, we're looking at a digital approach, mixing a physical and digital. Maybe it's digital discipleship that's empowering people to reach into their physical spaces. And the third area is, is really, and this is more of an experimental type. We're, I'm passionate about it. It's this idea of an influencer approach. It's a guy who or a gal who already has 
thousands of followers for whatever reason on a Facebook or YouTube, or maybe it's even a soccer mom who's got 50. You know, I don't think the number is as important, but it's recognizing that any of the influence that we have in digital space is an opportunity to point people to Jesus, to point people to a church and to be the church, an ecclesiologically stable digital or meta church, you know, for those people. And, and while that seems highly controversial, actually, I think that's more true to what the Bible actually was in Acts 2, maybe than some of the things that we're doing today, but that may be another conversation. What you talked about, the 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 going and the scattering. It, um, so there's this uh, guy on TikTok, he's a pastor, his name is Isaac Petit, Petit Frere, his little mm. name, or his, his last name. I is know little- Isaac. I love Isaac. Do you? It is. Yeah, I do. The dream. He's, he's, he's down here in Fort Lauderdale. He's not that far away from me. That's right. That's but, right. That's right. Yeah. He, I, I'm he, sorry he, to totally cut you off. Go ahead, please. So he has Read and Rant podcast and the Read and Rants he does on TikTok and these prayer things that are just, I mean, his, it's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. But he was talking on his podcast in the last week or so, and he was talking about how revival isn't all these people coming together. It's revival is when people scatter. And he talked about like the salt, you like scatter the salt. And it, and like, you just think about like when salt clumps together, it's bad salt. Yeah. Like it's good when it scatters. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, my favorite statement with Isaac, the building was actually holding us back. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and for him, like we I think I did a, a blog on him or had him write something. I don't like I, I just I've, I've talked with him a couple of times, but the building held us back and going digital and leaning towards that. The church, even with the, the scattering piece, uh, God doesn't move with the ecclesia. God moves through the diaspora. It's the it's the scattering where we see God move and expand in, in the mission field. This is what, at least here in the West, that we've we've forgotten. Because for us, it's all about gathering in the safety of our sanctuaries uh, that literally have the steeples that are designed to protect us from those outside influences, or at least the perception of that. This is where our safety is. This is where we can put our Christian faces for the one hour on Sunday. Uh, but the reality is, is that God stays there, and he does not move outside of there because we, the church attenders, aren't taking him outside. We don't understand that. Uh, and so Isaac's exactly right. Love the idea of, of scattering him and then allowing as digitally as we extend ourselves into the digital space, bringing God with us and championing him, maybe to a different type of person, to a different type of person that's not going to go into the building. Mm. You know, the pocket pulpit would love to chat with Isaac. The, the last, when I was listening to that episode and, and he was talking about Ezra's Ezra is reading the the scriptures, just reading the scriptures to the people, right? Like they're remembering it all, right? Hearing him read about just how hearing the word changed the people. And he's just daily dedicated to reading the word to people. It like, I just, you know, where the, like, what is it? Inception where it's like the mirror in the mirror in the mirror, you know, like it was just like, oh my goodness. I just felt like I just dropped through the floor. It was so powerful. Yeah, because there's so much potential to soundbite scriptures online, you know, to be like, well, we're just going to we're going to make this a a quotable quote, a tweetable tweet, an image, slap a verse on it and put it out there and see what happens. But like he reads chapters and then like takes you into it. And it's like, wow, just 
you know, that, that he can use this, that platform to long form what we have stopped doing. You know, it's, it's, I think it's kind of rare for people to have the Bible read to us like a story and told to us like a story as opposed to picked apart and then yeah. explained. You know, I, I was, I was actually, I've read, man, one of, one of Francis Chan's books. I don't know. Maybe it was the, the one that he did on the ax. And, and, and Francis was talking about how he would gather people together uh, in, in, in the sanctuaries, in the physical space. They would lock the doors and they would just spend two or three days in the building, just reading scripture just reading the entire book from, from cover to cover. I'll, I'll be honest. One of the things that's been in the back of my head for a couple of years now, I'm like, why don't we do that digitally? What would it look like if we created a, and this isn't even like a church thing or a, a, a denomination thing or a network or organization thing, but what if we really, Hey, let's do this. We're, we're going to read the scriptures. We'll set it up on a public platform, stream it on whatever. And, and we're just going to have volunteers come in and read scripture for the next three days. Whenever they get done, they get done. It's going to be great, and uh, and let's let's do that as as a body, uh, not a, of of one church or one entity, but as the body of Christ. And when and when we're thinking about suggestions that we can give to people, because we're hoping that people will listen to our podcast and then go try stuff, like on Twitter Spaces, that you could do. Yep. Open a Twitter Space and say, "This is for we're going to read Genesis." That's what we're doing in this Twitter space. And you just start reading and you say, does anyone want to read the next chapter and hand them the, you know, click their speak on button and let them read the next chapter and just come together and read the word and let people hear it. I mean, that's something people can try. And so that leads us into like what I wanted, what we wanted to talk about now, like um, who starts digital churches and doesn't matter how they're trained or if they're trained. Cause we know people who are like, well, you know, we are zooming together and we are praying together and we are um, serving other people and we are um, equipping and, um, you know, like supporting financially supporting and emotionally and supporting. And we are already feeling like what we have online is a church more than what we were experiencing in person there are people who feel that way that what they have online is more of a church than what they had in person um and so you know i know i know leaders who who are unable because of the pandemic and because of their health concerns unable to go in person currently and they were very capable and successful ministry leaders before if they say you know what i would like to do is like establish a, what I led before was women's ministry. And I would like to do women's ministry in the space I'm in now. Do they just go for it? Or do they try to develop like what is already there and say, instead of saying, this is like a church, just say, this is the church or what is it? How do people plant digital churches or whatever? That that's a great question. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you a conversation I had, um, November, October. October of 2021, maybe five months ago. Hey, uh, Jeff, man, listen, I, I'm, I'm really excited uh, about this idea of, of planting a digital church. I just found you, man. I, I, nobody's really talking about this. And, and in Google, I, I found you on and talking about digital church planting. Here's my idea. Man, listen, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm a foodie. I'm really excited about barbecue. And, and so I want to create a, a barbecue church. I, I want to... Uh, create a Facebook group, gather a bunch of people, talk about barbecue, and like, man, we're gonna really do like barbecue stuff. And and, and so 
but I'm going to build influence with barbecue, but it's not about the barbecue. It's about Jesus. So I want to create this influence about barbecue and then point people to, to Jesus. And, and, and once I get them connected to Jesus, then I want to create a barbecue church. But the great thing here, Jeff, is because I'm a foodie, like I'm just not a barbecue guy. I got friends that are like, like sushi people and friends that are like fried chicken people. And, and the guy that's got like the smoker and I want to create a smoker church and I want to do all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, listen, barbecue dude, I love everything that you've just said. I want to help you in this. How, how can I do this? October 2020, this was his response. I want to launch this by January 1st. Now, here's my problem. And this is the problem with the systems that was operating, which is actually, and I, I love Stadia, but this was the penultimate example of why I no longer work for Stadia. Because Stadia's process of launching a church is not designed to help uh, when I say bivocational, co-vocational, this guy that's launching a barbecue church is not getting a paycheck from the church. He's got a full-time job. He's got other ministry. He's got other responsibilities. He's got a family. He's not looking for a long, drawn-out process. Stadia's process and the church planning process, well, Stadia, 12 to 18 months. This dude started a conversation with me, barbecue dude here, and, and wants to launch a church three months later, which is commendable. I want to help him as much as I can. The limitation of a lot of the existing systems is, you know, it's 12 months, dude. Like, I, I can maybe get you going maybe summer 22, but really it's probably going to be more like 15, 18 months. So you're looking 24. And in a physical church environment, it, it's going to take that long. But this is why di one of the reasons why digital is different. I'm not going to wait 18 months for that. I'm just going to do it on my own and learn. Yeah. Experiment. Kick the tires on that. And, and so this is why I, would, I, was, I was literally, I was having... I had 200 conversations within the past two years with digital-only church planters, like Barbecue Dude and like some of the friends that you're talking about. And 150 of them are this, man, this, is, this process takes too long. It's too slow. It's, I need something that is more organic. I don't want to go through this massive training process. I, I just don't want to do this little thing. Can you help me do this little thing and, 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 and grow it? This is the heart behind Digital Church Network because we want to work with the individuals and create the networks of the networks. The guy wants to create, we want to give him the just-in-time resources and the training that Barbecue Dude needs to launch his church. And we want to help him multiply into Sushi Girl and uh, Smoker Guy and whatever else he's doing, uh, whatever else, and, and empower him to be the leader of that. And, and the difference here is, is that the majority of ministry at this point, I mean, listen, the great exodus, people leaving, the great departure not just in the, in the business realm, but also in the church, we're seeing people leave from this. But that doesn't mean they're leaving ministry. They're just leaving the professional Christian where they're getting a paycheck to be a church. One of my best friends is Randy Armas. He's a co-host of the Church Digital for years. I mean, quite a while. And uh, he himself, he left ministry. He, has, he had a Master's of Divinity uh, and, and walked away from all that work, all that effort, all that schooling, and went back to school because he wants to be a medical technician because he feels like God's calling him to the mission field of a hospital. And so dude's going all the way back to basic education to get his degrees in the medical field so that he can be on mission, co-vocationally working at a hospital. This is what the face of the future of the church looks like. And, and so the more that we can start to pivot our mindset and support these early adopters, these bleeding edge people that are wanting to do something different in, in physical space and digital space and meta spaces. We have to, if we're really going to be effective in reaching people tomorrow. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so good. Um, you know, we, we keep mentioning the metaverse, and that's something that's, that's starting to pop up online. Sarah, Sarah, you just got uh, the Quest 2, right? That's, that's kind did. of, uh, which I know is, is the preferred, one of the preferred methods of entering into the VR space and meta, metaverse space. And so, um, Sarah, have you, have you joined any uh, VR movements or churches? Have I joined any movements? I've had the quest too for I think two weeks. So um I have joined <laughs> Beat Saber and I have joined it hardcore. Like I got on yesterday. Here the the VR thing, like it is everything that the 90s and early thousands movies promised me it would be. Like uh, it is like everything when I, I loved Guitar Hero and when I would play it, I wished it would be more. And I step into the, to Beat Saber. And that is like, I love it. And so like, I got on um, yesterday morning because it is a new year. And so therefore I've decided that I'm a new me who sometimes burns calories. And so I got on and um, started Beat Sabering and um, thought I should probably stop for a second and like go check the clock and see um, how much time I have left before I have to start getting ready for work. And it turns out I've been doing it for an hour and a half. And because it's so cool, it's so cool. That's my experience. My husband um, stayed home from church last Sunday. There was some weather or something that like, anyway, he stayed home and he checked out a, a VR service, but we haven't gotten to really go through that because he's coaching right now. And so I wanted, he was like, it was cool and whatever, but we haven't had the chance to unpack it, but I haven't had the chance because I have Sunday morning duties, but I want to, like, I want to, I'm hoping for a snowstorm. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the blizzard that's coming in, in a minute and a half in a day and a <laughs> half to my area, maybe I'll get to go to VR church this weekend. Well, I, I tell you what, there's a, a lot of, the majority of the VR churches, at least the ones that I'm aware of, meet at Sunday night. So oh. maybe you got some excuse to double dip. Uh, you know, DJ Soto's doing VR church. Uh, Jason Poling at, uh, is the lead pastor of Cornerstone. Yuba City is doing Cornerstone um, uh, VR. Uh, there's uh, Stuart. Stuart, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on your last name right now, but he's with Lakeland Church in Minnesota. And they're doing something in VR. Pretty much everybody at this point's doing uh, on a platform called Alt VR, um, and so it's uh, it's owned by Microsoft, which is a bad thing. But Microsoft's doing a good job with it, so we we trust them for now. Uh, I'm an Apple guy, sorry. <laughs> but uh, so you, what you really want to do is you want to download the Alt VR app, and then when you're in the directory, and Alt VR is like a community. It's like you build your an avatar. You're walking around like this is where you develop your face in alt VR, uh, and so you can just search on the board for church and, and find DJ and and uh, a bunch of these guys in that space. Pastor Brock's in there. Jade Earhart's in there. I can just name you guys that that are really, um, you know, in that space. And to be honest, like there and there's different platforms other than just uh, alt VR. There's Rec Room. Alt VR is like you're more typical. Alt-VR is the Facebook version of, of virtual reality. Virtual, yeah, like, well. everybody and their mother kind of hangs out in that space. Um, then there's one that's called Rec Room. Rec Room's more of the kid-friendly type stuff because it, it's mainly on, 
like PS, uh, PlayStation VR and Xbox VR. And so it gets a lot of like the younger kids in there and, and the art looks a little more kid friendly. And so if your church is wanting to do meta, that's a great place to start is in there. Um, then there's another Facebook horizons just came out within the past month and, and it's, it's developing its audience. I think it's too soon to tell really with that. Then there's one that's called, um, uh, I just blanked on it. VR chat. Now VR chat is like the equivalent of Snapchat. Uh, if we're really drawing parallels together, it's like the red light district of, of social media. Um, a lot of the parental controls, even on like avatar design and stuff like that, it just doesn't exist. It's the wild, wild west. And, and so seeing it, you know, walking around and seeing an avatar of some lady who's naked or whatever, like this is, or some like weird alien looking thing that's completely naked. Like it's just, this is what VR chat is. And, and so, and there are actually people that are missionaries in that space uh, that, that go around, that walk around, that meet people, that have some of those conversations that share Jesus on a regular basis in these meta worlds. Yeah. Uh, and what's interesting is I, I've got friends and we've, we've had these conversations and um, like Jeff, this dude doesn't even know, like has never heard Jesus before. The people that we're being engaging with in these meta spaces, these are not people that go to your church building. Like DJ Soto, VR church, 80 to 85% of the people who attend his service are atheists and agnostics. Uh, 70 to 75% of the people that attend Jason Poling's uh, Cornerstone VR are de-churched. Um, it's, they've been burned by the bride of Christ, and now they're taking their first steps back in virtual reality. And so it's really exciting to see some new people get engaged in these meta spaces. Mm. Oh, that's good. Um, so we we like to to end the show on on two uh, questions. We just we just like to hear stories of, of failure and also success, but. Before we get to that, is there anything else that, that you want to share or encourage um, just our listeners with digital church, digital ministry? If somebody tells you that it's wrong, it doesn't make it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the place that you need to go to figure out if something's wrong is the Bible. Um, oftentimes, a lot of what is communicated today in church isn't... Um, it's going to sound bad. It's not biblical. It's opinion, especially in ecclesiology and what a church is defined as. Uh, it's funny, even, even the Wesleyan denomination, Ed Love, uh, they found that their churches weren't multiplying way back in pre-COVID 2017. And um, they, they, did, uh, they, they did what every Wesleyan would do. They formed a committee and the committee <laughs> delved into the process. And, and what they discovered was there were lots of things within the Wesleyan ecclesiology of how the Wesleyan denomination uh, was designing church. Uh, they were found lots of things that prevented multiplication from happening. And on, on top of that, the things that were preventing the multiplication, when they dug into it, they weren't biblical. And, and so what I would challenge this new breed, this new group of people, potential planters, potential pastors that may not have the seminary degree, um, hit the Bible. Spend some time in Acts. Um, read the Corinthians. Read Ephesians study about what the church was and, and not how is the how is that being replicated in america today how can we do that digitally uh, here's what i believe i believe the ecclesiology the definition of what a church is in digital meta spaces i think it's going to be 20 or 30 years before we get there 
because I think it's going to take that long for the, the big C church in general to be comfortable with the digital and the ecological, I think I said that right, spaces. Um, here's what I, I know. And uh, Helen Keller actually said this. Uh, the heresy of today will become the orthodoxy of tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, that's actually been quoted many other times. As near as I can tell, Helen Keller is the original, which actually surprised me. I wouldn't expect Helen Keller to say something like that, but she did, at least according to you know some websites. But the, the heart of that is, is, is that culture takes time to adapt to this stuff. This is why the church is so slow and always behind it, because the church doesn't adapt until culture accepts it. And culture is now starting to accept digital. It's starting to push into meta, and the church is behind on both of them. We need innovators. We need bleeding-edge people. We need people to think outside of the box and champion this idea. If you are wanting to be one of those, I would love to help you. Here's what I would tell you to do. I can tell you my social media, Dear Fedge, and evidently that's weird. Uh, but if you go to thechurch.digital, there's plenty of ways to connect with me on that website. Book some time with me. Let's have a conversation. Um, let's, let's dig into this. We're ramping up. I don't even have a website for the Digital Church Network. We're, um, I'm, I'm not even sure I'm set up like with the bank account and the giving systems. Like All that's in route right now. Um, but what I can tell you is we want to help people like you do ministry in a new way. And so would love to continue those conversations uh, with you. Yeah. Do you have any encouragement for, like, I think you said, you said on a recent episode of your podcast that it's something like the general acceptance of online church is like 30 years out. And for, for people like, for a lot of people, that's like an entire career. And so yeah. like, how can you encourage the pastors and the leaders and, mm. and the regular people with this vision for online ministry? facing decades of an uphill climb, addressing pushback, like, yeah, that sounds cool, but I don't see that as part of the local church context, or I don't see that as part of the church. Like, what encouragement do you have for them for, for 30 years? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, part of one of the reasons that I wanted to do the, church, the digital church network was because I wanted to be support for the organizations that aren't getting support anywhere else. I'm, I'm used to seeing that. Here's what I can tell you. Um, the churches, the denominations, the organizations struggle with this here in the U.S. If I can help you in any way, the global conversation, the global church is far more supportive in this. And that's not a comfort to you at a personal level, but more of an acceptance of its affirmation that you're not wrong. The larger question that the challenge that I want to issue to you is, um, who cares? You know, and maybe that's, that's an inappropriate response. And I'm sorry if I offended somebody, but just because the local church doesn't affirm what you're doing and God's using you, I'm more interested in, in being used by God and letting him bless what I'm doing instead of trying to get somebody to approve me. Um, and listen, and, and, and I'm, I'm putting my own neck on that uh, because the own church that I grew up in, that I spent years in, uh, does not confirm and does not support the stuff that I'm doing now. Uh, the majority of churches and the way that we're looking at it, they, they struggle with this. And, and, Honestly, you know, years, decades of seminary training, um, nothing prepared pastors and churches for where we are. This wasn't even a thought. Some forward-thinking people like me were championing this, but we were ignored for decades. And, and so who cares if they don't approve you? What I'm more interested in is God using it, which I'm seeing in big ways, yes. And the other part of it, I would say, is are the people who need Jesus, are they open to a digital expression? And I'm seeing yes on that. Actually, Barna did some 
Um, maybe it was blue. Forgive me. But there's been some research recently on this. And anywhere from 40 to 50% of lost people are open to a digital or a digital, physical and digital working together expression of a church. And so to say, okay, well, the people who are in your building aren't open to a digital expression. That's nice. I'm not trying to steal them. Let them stay in the building. There's a whole other mission field of people worth it. Moving forward, I just wrote an article recently about how the ecclesiology battle, it's going to take 30 years. It's what you were referencing. We're not going to solve that problem today. The mission field, the mission field, the digital and the meta mission field, we can solve today and we have to. And so I would much rather fight the battle of, hey, let's get everybody in the digital and the meta mission fields. We can't question that those people need Jesus and there's opportunities to connect there. And while we're hanging out in these spaces, let's actually learn something about the communities so we can start to better understand how to design the the uh, ecclesiology of this. Hope that helps. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I'm <clears throat> I'm going to include that article in the show notes just for anyone listening. Thank you. <clears throat> that's so good. Uh, Sarah, you have any other questions? Well, we're going to make him tell us about failure. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, so, there, is, <laughs> there is so many failures. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I, I think really the heart of that question, I, I think we've talked about it before on our show, but the heart of the question is that like, just as you were even sharing Jeff, like the affirmation of like, this is hard and this, the, the support isn't there. If it's hard to find support, like it's to affirm that not in as encouraging as can be that, Hey, you're not alone in this. And that there is stories that like not every success story that you see on TikTok or Twitter or Facebook is like the game plan for how to do uh, social media ministry or online church or um, digital or digital. But um, anyway, in your vast experience seeing digital expressions of church and, and meta church, um, can you just share about a time that you were involved with or you saw a digital church plant fail? And what you learned from that, um, looking forward into continuing to to still be in that process, still be in that mindset. Man, I I'm, I'm struggling to even come up with one example that I want to highlight because there's so many. Um, e-believer, year 2000. I, I've read, um, I read Leonard Sweet's uh, Soul Tsunami, 1999. Just graduated from college. Book changed my life. Straight up, the most influential book, maybe Leonard Sweet in that moment, the most influential person in my life other than Jesus. Because at that moment, I was, I was alone. I was a kid with crazy ideas, and everyone around me told me I was wrong. And I read that book, and it was the first time in my life I actually saw the words that were in my head and the challenge of. And, and so I, I graduated from college, and, and, and I started a company. I, like, I went entrepreneur right out the bat tried to capitalize on some of the, the dot-com era of the early 2000s. Uh, and if you actually go back, the second I launched this ebeliever.com, this online community, because, you know, no churches were, were, no churches cared about this in the year 2000, but I was going to create the community. I was going to set the example. I was going to push it, and I was going to make it happen. And, and the community, I mean, it was, it was something. 30,000, 40,000 people pre-COVID, pre-COVID pre-anything uh, back then. I, I think George, no, I think Clinton was president in the, in the year 2000. I'd have to go back and actually look. Um, anyway, side note at, at the heart of this, um, there were risks that were involved. Uh, I newly married. My wife was studying in a master's degree. It didn't make sense to do that financially. Um, well, I didn't have another income coming in. I try, I was trying to make money off the community, which 
after the dot-com boost blew up about April, May 2000, which was right when I launched the website, um, there wasn't money. And, and so there was lots of pivots. I started a web design company working alongside churches. I, I started having conversations with pastors who would say to me, Jeff, why should I pay you to build my website when my son can build this, my 10-year-old son can build this in Microsoft front page for free? Um, and my response was, if you're happy with you know, your 10-year-old son building crap in Microsoft front page, then we don't need to talk anymore. We're good. I'll go talk to somebody else. Um, it's the, the thing that I would say is you're always learning. You're always observing. Any failure is another, is a closer step to you getting success. Now, that doesn't mean the failure means you throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and start from scratch. You take the lessons, you iterate from it, and you surround yourself with people enough to give you feedback to let you know the thing that you think a success is a failure, or the thing that you think is a failure is actually a success in the right direction. It's not as bad as what you think. And this is, this is the, the lesson. It's not that failure is bad. My gosh, I want to fail as quick as possible and learn those lessons and move on to the next thing. And the, the, the kind of tangent off that is anybody that tells you that they actually think they know what's going on in this season is crazy. Listen, and I'm the guy, I could talk forever on this topic, and even I'm shooting from the hip on the majority of this stuff. There is no playbook that operates in a post-Omnicron, still COVID environment 2022. And so we have to experiment. We have to be brave. We have to try some different things. And we have to be able to say, this has never been done before, but dang it, we're going to try. We're going to learn from it. And we need to be involved in communities where those people are, are trying and doing things. The, 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 out of those 200 conversations with digital church planters, you know what the common theme is? Jeff, I found you on Google. You are the only person talking about this. And I thought I was alone. And having that, honestly, God-given, I don't know if influence is the right word, responsibility. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so there's this new movement that's starting, and we've got to figure out how to empower these people to be successful, and no one cares? Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm just now starting and has earned that money. I may start breaking and crying on that. <laughs> yeah. But the heart of this is, is that there's this huge responsibility, and we're really looking for people to step up. Uh, to, to give it a shot and to be used by God in ways that they did not even realize was possible, but God is merely sitting back and waiting for them to go. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jeff, before we ask you the next question, just to, uh, in a follow-up with that, um, I know you're launching the church digital network, um, but is there anywhere where someone's like, I'm interested in this, this digital stuff and I want to, to be in community with others who are, kind of in, in the connected to you through church digital or, or exploring, is there a Facebook group or a discord or a, uh, a chat room that they can get involved in? Yeah, probably the, the most popular is um, uh, online. Oh my gosh. I don't know the name of the Facebook group. Let me look it up real quick. It's just in my bookmark. Uh, I just, I follow it regularly, but it, there's a, there's an online uh, digital Facebook group. Um, I used to run some stuff in Stadia, and even that's positioned around. Uh, but it's called Online uh, Plus Digital Church Leaders. Uh, I want to say last I saw, there's maybe four, there's 3.2 thousand digital people in this Facebook group. And, and it's led by a bunch of really fun people and people that I trust. Uh, and so I, I'm in that group a lot. I, I do a, a lot of support in there. 
Uh, and so if you're looking for a community, that's that's a great place to start. There's a bunch of like little things that are running with, with Discord, and there's some stuff that we're considering ramping up through the Church Digital in the future. But right now, that's probably the best option for you. And the other part of that, I would say, is, is, the, is the Church Digital. We are um, uh, obviously creating a lot of content, blogs, and podcasts, um, and always looking for training opportunities to, to help churches um, like yours get this figured out. And, and so I'll often have conversations with, with planters or established churches that, that are running in this and, and, and being the, the mediator and the connector of that. So feel free to check out the website and the resources there, the community through the Facebook group, and stay tuned. We've got a couple things coming in, in, in the pipe that might be a little more clear, a little more helpful along the way. Oh, I would also say, I should have said this earlier, Tom Pounder uh, is running, is with the Church Digital, is running Digital Bootcamp. Uh, and his group is is phenomenal. It's smaller. Uh, it's it's not just digital ministry. It's more how digital can be used for the church. Yeah. Uh, ministry is part of it, but it gives you a much broader reach than just specialized ministry. So check out his group um, as well. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I found the group, and they'll be in the show notes as well for anyone who's who's interested in that. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say our, our last question is always just give us a give us a story about a time that you were doing ministry online and it went well, that you were helping people and that you were serving serving God online and it went well. Yeah, I um, trying to think of a great story. I, I've I've been blessed to meet people all over the country, um, all over the planet. Yeah, I'll tell this story. Um, his name's Patrick. Uh, Patrick lives in Kenya. Um, never met Patrick. I got an email. Uh, I was digital pastor at a church in Miami. The year is maybe 2016. And um, you, know, you get those emails from the guy at the Prince and something in Africa that needs $2.4 million wired. And um, yeah, so I get this email. And it's the guy from Patrick, and he lives in Kenya. And uh, I, I immediately grab my mouse and mouse over to the spam button in the Gmail interface. And I distinctly remember, I'm going to read this email until I see how much this guy wants. Like, I need a laugh. It's been a bad day. Ministry's hard. I want to see how much this idiot thinks I'm going to give him financially. Uh, and then I'm going to mark it as spam and forget about it. And so I read this email from, from Patrick, and um, dude never asked for money. What Patrick was was a guy in Africa who is running a little house church in a hut and is seeing massive number of people coming in. I'm talking like dozens to 80 people, and he's baptizing kids in a stream outside of his house. And, and all of a sudden, he's like, Jeff, I need help. I'm asking you, Pastor Jeff, for help to um, for my church here in Kenya. I'm on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. I reach out to a friend of mine who actually was my small group's director. He was a contract. He wasn't even a staff person uh, for, for the online campus. And I said, hey, reach out to him. Talk to him. If, if he needs, um, if we can do something for him, great. Like, if it's a waste of time, delete it. Like, I, I'm not putting anything on this, but it just seems like a weird conversation. 
So here's what my friend Michael did. And you can you can check out this blog. It's written. You can see Michael's story at thechurch.digital slash Kenya. You can include that in the link too if you wouldn't mind. Um, but what happened as a result of Michael, Michael would talk with uh, Patrick every Tuesday, Wednesday, teach him a lesson. Patrick would turn around and teach that at his church the following Sunday. It went from 20 to 50 to 80 to hundreds. They started meeting in parking lots at shopping areas and, and, and doing separate things for kids. And we're starting to hear ridiculous numbers coming from the other side. And we're like, you know what? I don't believe this crap. Send me photos. And we'd start getting photos texted to us. We would meet other people from Kenya and would say, hey, do you actually know this guy, Patrick? And, and literally the response, honest to God, the response was, you mean the guy who's on fire for God out in the mud hut? We were meeting people who knew this guy because we didn't blow off the opportunity to multiply into someone else. Now, here's what's going on with Patrick years down the road. He has taken the knowledge that we have taught him. And he's not only traveling around to area neighborhoods, he's traveling around to different nations teaching what we have taught him. This is not white man coming to save. This is empowering people in their own context to take the gospel to a new different type of person. And all of that happened was because I didn't click the freaking spam button. There's an opportunity for us to do ministry in a completely different way. And the best part about everything that we did in Patrick's life was that none of it fit on the scoreboard for the church that I worked at. The success, that kingdom that happened, did not result in a thing for, for the church. And as a result, I don't think anybody really at that church, except for the three or four of us that were working with Patrick on the side, actually understand the power of what happened. And to this day, actually, the friend of mine, Michael, I think he's there right now. Like, within the next couple of weeks, he is flying, COVID aside, he is finally flying out there to meet Patrick face-to-face -face for the first time. There is an entirely opportunity available for churches to do ministry in a completely different way, but it's not broadcast your freaking services on Sunday morning. And, it, and it's time for us as a church or as individuals that want to do something for God to look at digital and meta in a different way and try. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yep. Oh. Wow. Mm. Jeff, thanks for sharing that story. Seriously, I, I love, um, I love those questions because they get at the heart of, um, you know, the the rawness of, of what it is to to see something not go well, and and then, but also the incredible opportunity that's before us, um, if we'll just if we'll just give it a shot, and uh, you know, you don't know, you don't know what's on the other side of the the door, right, or the the DM or the uh, you know, your mentions or, or this other meta metaverse conversation. And so thank you. Thank you so much for, for your time and for sharing and, and just for spending, spending some time with us today. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Honored to be here. You got, listen, I'm, I'm so excited to have you guys asking the questions that you're asking and doing the things that you're doing because you're asking the right questions. You're taking it the right way. And, and the audience that's out there listening, listen to these guys and, and, and the approach that they're on. I've been, I've been listening to you in the background. I know what's going on and excited to see what, what God's going to do through you. all. Thank you. Yeah. Well, hey, um, 
thank you so much for for listening and joining us today on the pocket pulpit and uh for all you listening the the links the articles the stories that we shared today um if there there's an article online it's in the show notes today and uh make sure you go click those follow jeff jeff tell everyone where they can follow you online um and follow up with you or yeah so the church.digital um there's a bunch of uh resources there the church digital podcast is there as well you can subscribe to that and then uh, social media dear fetch jeff reed backwards hopefully you can see my name on zoom and can just be like oh, okay that's how you spell it backwards no space uh yeah it's weird but that's me perfect awesome thanks again for for your time today and and, and just looking forward to seeing what god's going to do through the the digital uh planning network through through meta through through just your um faithfulness i, I really do i mean for, for as much as we've talked about the next 30 years of what it'll look like for it to be widely accepted, I think the faithfulness that uh, you've had to continue with online ministry and using it as a resource and tool and even seeing it being championed as um, not just a side tool and a side resource, but really is one that you can champion and put forth and, and put all, a lot of your marbles in. Um, just thank you for, uh, for that groundwork. Awesome. Glad to do it. Glad to be here. All right. We'll see you guys next week.